Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. So tonight I am speaking to you about Jabez. And um, I have to say thank you, Kevin, so much for giving me Jabez. I was loving you on Monday when I, when I started to study this and I looked and I had four lines, two verses. I don't even have a story. I have literally four lines, but it's okay. So I'm going to speak to you tonight about Jabez and I am actually really excited about this message because I remembered a while back, years ago in this church, um, there were some messages that were preached about Jabez and I remember the time that the messages about Jabez were preached and people started to pray the prayer of Jabez and transformation started to happen and people began to see major breakthrough. Now for a little while uh, we haven't spoken about Jabez and I am really excited to resurrect within you again tonight the desire to reach in to what God has got for you in your prayer life, in your walk with him that he wants to bless you more than you could ever imagine And tonight, I really, really believe that God is going to resurrect faith again within the hearts of us. And so I'm going to pray really quickly tonight before I begin. And I want you just to open up your heart and I want you just to receive what God has got for you tonight because God has got blessing. Amen? Amen. So Father God, we thank you tonight, Father, that your presence is here. Father God, that that where two or three are gathered, you are here in our midst. And Father, I ask that as this message goes forth tonight... Father, that you would resurrect the hearts of your people. Father, within prayer, Father God, within uh, faith, within whatever area, Father, that has, that has gone to sleep, Father, tonight I pray, awaken it. Yeah. Awaken it within us. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, Father, that your spirit would move across this congregation, Father, and that we would be ones that would begin to reach deeply into all that you have got for us. Amen. Okay. So if you can turn with me tonight to First Chronicles, or Chronicles, chapter 4. Chronicles, Chronicles, First Chronicles. Okay. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called him Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. That was it. You can imagine my turmoil on Monday night. (laughs) I don't have a beginning and an end. I haven't got he came from here or there or when he was growing up, this happened. That is it. And uh, so I had to do a little bit of searching. And this is what I discovered. That, um, that when, we read the, when we start reading Chronicles at the very beginning, what we've got is a massive family tree. And it's a massive family tree of the uh, Hebrew tribes, starting as far back as Adam. Oh, I have competition. It's okay. Um, starting as far back as Adam. And what I love about this is that um, you've got this huge, big family tree. You're all laughing, aren't you? (laughs) Just let it out. Let it out. Um, So, we, yeah. You're confusing me now. Where was I? Family tree. 
So, um, yes. So we have this family tree, and there's somewhere, for some reason, in, the, in all of these chapter, chapters, the historian who wrote this stopped. And he told us about the prayer of Jabez. And then he carries on with the rest of the family tree. And uh, there's something about Jabez that is worthy of a mention. There's something about him in this whole thing. He didn't stop and speak about anybody else, but he stopped and he spoke about Jabez. And there's something about this prayer that unlocks something within your life because it's worthy of a mention in this, in this passage. And so here's what we know from these two verses that where things started off pretty bad for Jabez. Then he prayed a prayer and things got better. And um, it's a very powerful short story within this chapter. And uh, this is what I found out about Jabez. And I found out two things. He lived in southern Israel and he was born into the tribe of Judah. That's it. They're not giving much away about this guy (laughs) at all. Um, But his life did start off pretty traumatic. And we know that because his mum... When she gave birth to him, she said that she called him Jabez because she gave birth to him in pain. So the pain of that birth must have been so painful that she actually named him after it. Now, we don't know whether... um, This is going to be one of these nights, isn't it? We don't know whether um, the pain was that actually labour was painful, which it is. Um, It is very painful, but I wouldn't go there tonight. But we don't know whether it was the fact that the labour was painful or that maybe she couldn't afford to bring up another child or maybe the thought of having another child in the house was just terrible for her. We don't know what it was, but there was something about Jabez's birth that was painful. So much so that, that she named him after it. So his birth was a constant reminder to him that he was born in pain. Now you try living every day forgetting when you are constantly being called Jabez, which means because I bore him in pain. And um, so here's poor Jabez, and um, he was born in pain, and he has this constant reminder. So I'm going to take you through the prayer. We're going to look at it tonight. And uh, I really pray that this blesses you. Um, I really do pray that this blesses you, because I know that there's breakthrough in it. So the first line of that prayer is, O Lord, that you would bless me indeed. And I remember the very first time I read this prayer years ago. And I remember thinking, what a selfish prayer. What a selfish thing for a man to ask. Before everything else, he asks, God bless me. He doesn't ask for God to fill the church. He doesn't ask for God to bless his family. He doesn't ask for financial blessing. He doesn't ask for anything. He just says, God, bless me. And um, there's something about Jabez that when I read that first line, it kind of, it shocked me a little bit. And uh, one thing that I was thinking about when I was preparing was that when I was growing up, I was really fortunate that um, I grew up with many incredible men and women of God would come in into the house and, and we would sit and we would have dinner together and they would come in and visit mum and dad and, and all that kind of thing. And then I came into this church and again, with all the pastors that we have in the movement, you're surrounded by incredible men and women of God. And everywhere I would go, there would be incredible men and women of God. 
And um, I remember um, the first time I saw Ashley. And I remember Ashley walked into the room and we were down in the building down by the harbour and he walked into the room and he looked like Robocop. And he had these big shoulders and he did that thing, you know, when he walks in like this. Sort of like that, you know? But actually, Ruth said that, that she was away somewhere just recently. So I think she put it on Facebook. And somebody called, said that he was like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He has that robotic look about him. But, um, but there's something about men and women of God, like Ashley, that walk into a room and they command the presence of God. They walk into the room and they command your attention. And we've seen it many times with many different people that have come through the church and that have come through my home. My dad is one of them. He walks into the church and the attention is diverted to him. One thing that I discovered when uh, I was thinking about these people that I've met over my life is that the reason that they command the presence of God when they walk into the room is because they pray differently to the rest of us. Your prayer life is really key to the presence of God that walks with you. And here we have Jabez, and he's praying, Lord, bless me, first and foremost. But he was given recognition for this prayer when the story was written. And so somebody like Jabez, somebody like Ashley, somebody like Jesus, they pray differently to the rest of us. And, um, and so... You know, there is an awareness in life that every single one of us that are here in this room, we don't want to do life without God's fullness. We don't want to do life without the abundance of God surrounding us every day. And if I was to say to you tonight, does God want to bless you? You would say to me, of course he does. Does God want to walk with you every day of your life? Of course he does. Does God want to carry your burdens, take them off your shoulders so that you can walk free? Of course he does. But the key is that we have to pray differently. The key is that God's nature wants to bless you. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 to 12. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So God wants to bless you and his nature is to give you a blessed life. But here's what God wants us to do. This is what he wants to start as he wants us to start doing. And this is my first key for you tonight. He wants you to ask for blessing. He wants you to ask that he, that, that he will bless you, that you will walk in his blessing all the days of your life. When I pray, do I pray first that God will bless me? No, I don't. Do I pray for my children and my husband and the church and you guys? Yes, of course I do. I pray for you all the time and I pray for my family all the time. But we have to change our mindset in that God wants you as an individual to live a blessed life. Um, So the next part of this prayer 
is enlarge my territory. And I love the part of this prayer because um, I love the fact that it means that we take more ground. And, uh, you know, uh, Brian and I, we bought a house probably about a year and a half ago. And we've been in that house, obviously, a year and a half. <laughs> and, um, and, and we bought that house. And we love that house. But, you know, we've been a year and a half in that house. And, you know, in your head sometimes when you get something and you want, it, you want something bigger. Yeah. Or you buy a new car and you have that car a few years, maybe two or three years, and the next model comes out. Oh, I quite like that model. Or you get a tattoo. One day I'll have a tattoo. You get a tattoo. And you know what? People do this. They get a tattoo and then they think, I wonder what I can get next. And then they want another tattoo and then they want another tattoo. And then they want another one. Or if you're from America, you have plastic surgery done. (laughs) Yes, no, maybe. You're looking pretty good. You are. But it's natural, I can tell. <laughs> no, she looks great. But I know you've not had plastic surgery. But Americans are known <laughs> for having plastic surgery. <laughs> and, um, well, they are. You know, you open up a magazine and they, a lot of them look plastic. <sighs> okay, so everybody stand up now. i joking. <laughs> But it is our nature to want more. It is our nature to want more. And the same applies in life with God. God wants you to want more. God wants you to cry out for more. God wants you to pursue more. He wants you to chase after more for you. He's, um, what I love about this prayer, when he says, Lord, I pray that you would enlarge my territory, is that he doesn't have a list. He doesn't have a list of things that he requires. He doesn't have, God, give me this. I need this. I need that. I need whatever I need. I need this. He doesn't have a list. What he says is, he just says, God, enlarge my territory. And what he's saying is, God, you know, whatever you've got for me, I will take it. Whatever that thing is, I will have it. It doesn't matter what my heart wants. It's what you want for me. So it's the change of a prayer. Um... When you start praying like this, when you start praying, God, enlarge my territory, you actually, you start moving lines of limitation. You start moving boundaries. You start breaking down walls of limitation around your life. You start to shift things in the realm of the spirit around about you. When you start um, earnestly asking God, desperately asking God to enlarge your territory, the devil is not going to like it. But you are going to start shifting some stuff. And I want to encourage you again tonight, start shifting stuff. Start shifting stuff because nobody else can do it for you but you. And when you start doing that and you start taking more ground, you are stepping into a blessed, blessed life. (laughs) David, you have to calm yourself. (laughs) I know it's difficult. Many wait for doors to be opened for them. Many wait for, for people to open that door. The truth is nobody's going to open the door for you. Nobody is going to open that door for you. You've got to take that step and you've got to walk through it. You have got to declare how it will be and it will be. The Bible says to us, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find and knock 
and the door will be opened unto you. Um, so I, I was sitting thinking about this because I, I would hate to think that at any point in my life I would become a Christian that would get really, really comfortable that I wouldn't have an influence anymore, that I wouldn't have an impact um, in, in any area. I wouldn't have an impact in people's lives round about me. And I sat and I thought to myself, my goodness, I wonder how it would be if this week we all picked, picked up a map of Aberdeen and looked at an area and just prayed. Just prayed over Garthy, prayed over Torrey, prayed over Kingswells, prayed over Ellen, prayed over Sherricksley, prayed over West Hill. How would it be? Because that in itself is impact. That in itself is shifting spiritual atmospheres. That in itself is causing things to move. And so, um, actually, our impact doesn't just come by going into a community and providing. That is an amazing thing to do, but our impact also comes in prayer. And I I want to encourage you this week to pick up a map. I want to encourage you to see what area of Aberdeen God is, is just laying on your heart and just pray. Pray the blessing of God. Pray that the church can go into that area. Our worship team can go into the school. Pray. Pray that God can move through us in our city. God wants us to take more ground. And for your life, he wants you to take more ground too. So the next part of the prayer is that your hand would be with me. Is everyone still with me? So the next part of the prayer is that your hand would be with me. And the thing with God is that when, when you take more ground, when you move into God enlarging your territory, when you start stepping out and breaking down walls and breaking down limitations and borders and all that kind of thing, you need God's hand to walk with you every step of the way. And this is actually a very well-structured prayer from Jabez. Because what he's saying is, God, enlarge my impact and my influence, that we be with me every day in it. And, you know, often um, you hear of people in the music industry uh, that they release a song and then you never hear from them again. Or you hear of people that start up a business and the business is going well for a period of time and then it begins to fold. Or you hear of somebody who does something and they're known for that thing that they've done and then you don't hear about it so much anymore. And that's because at the beginning, at the first few years of business, at the first few years of whatever they're doing, they had a dependency on something that was helping them through. And then at that point that things start folding is the point when they take their eyes off their dependency and they start trying to do it their own way. I worked in a business in in Aberdeen for a few years um, before I got married and the the man that was running the business was a really good he was a good businessman and um, he we just thought he was brilliant he was absolutely brilliant at what he did and he built up a great business and then what happened was we all got this email and this email said I am going to um, I am going to employ somebody else who is going to come in and help me run this business to the next level because I've taken it as far as I can myself. And we remembered reading that email and thinking, whoa, we just thought he was brilliant. But he knew that his dependency was on the other businessmen that were guiding him through his first few years of business. 
But at the point where he had to stand on his own two feet and start making decisions, he knew he needed help with him. And so often when things fold and often when things start to just go downhill, it's because you're taking your eyes away from that one thing that was helping you through. God needs to be with you in every single area, every single step of the walk. We cannot afford to allow our focus to be diverted. We cannot afford to take our eye off him at any point in our walk. We can't afford to do it. And sometimes maybe, I don't know, maybe we hit a comfort zone where we think, do you know what? Oh, I've made it. Do you know what? I'm, I'm a worship leader and I know how to lead a song. Or I know how to preach a message. Or I know how to lead children's church or I know how to do whatever in church but actually you can never ever do it without Jesus walking with you we have to have him all the time and so his hand has to be with you in everything Matthew chapter 8 verse 1 to 4 when he had come down from the mountain great multitudes followed him And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. I love this story. And the reason that I love this story is that this leper knew what Jesus could do for his life. He knew that Jesus walking with him, his life would be fine. If he could just have that moment where he would meet Jesus, where he could have that encounter, he would be all right. But I love that Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone. Because what Jesus is saying is, I am not looking for anybody to give me any kind of recognition that this is the father heart of God. This is the father heart of God for this man. And it's the father heart of God for us. It's the father heart of God for your life. God wants your life blessed. He wants you living out of where you're at and into something so much greater. The next part of the prayer is, Oh, that you would keep me from evil, that I would not cause pain. And after asking for a blessed life, what he's then saying is, Cover me in it. What he's saying to me, what he's saying to God is, oh, that you would keep me from evil. And I was speaking with Katrina um, uh, maybe a few weeks ago uh, when we were having this particular conversation. And um, she was telling me that she had looked back to the history of the McCaskill clan. And um, the McCaskill clan were one of the first clans on the Isle of Skye. And... um, we arrived on the Isle of Skye because we caused trouble somewhere else. <laughs> and we don't need to go into that. But they were rebels. They absolutely were. And um, so the McCaskill clan had arrived on the Isle of Skye and they were given land. And um, what they, what they, they weren't a clan of their own, but they were part of the McLeod clan. And they weren't their own clan because they were troublemakers. And so the job that the McCaskill clan were given on the islands, on the outer and inner Hebrides, was that they had to stand on the coastline and look out for the enemy coming. So the McCaskill clan would stand on the shoreline, they would look for the enemy coming, and they stood there to protect the people. They stood there as a wall of protection 
for the people on the island. And if people, if the enemy got past, invasion happened, fighting happened, death happened, trauma happened, all these things happened. But there was a hedge of protection that that our clan uh, created for the island. And one thing that I know is that in life, there is always an attack that wants to invade. There is always something that wants to invade your peace. There's always something that wants to invade your life, wants to invade your finances, your relationships. There is always an invasion that is waiting to happen. But if we stand on the coastline of the church, and if we stand on the coastline of our city, and stand shoulder to shoulder shoulder together as a church, and as a clan, as a congregation of people, the enemy can't get past us. You can't go to sleep. You can't sit down. You can't rest. You have to be on guard. And so um, I find myself pretty much on a regular basis where, you know, I'll find myself starting to just, you know, maybe relax a little bit, get a little bit into a comfort zone, and the Holy Spirit pretty quickly wakes me up again. And um, I was aware of... uh, when I was preparing this that you know for, for you and for I our heart's cry is that the, the day that we arrive in heaven that God is going to say to us well done good and faithful servant you did it you did it you absolutely did it well done come in enjoy your rest turn with me if you will to Psalm 91 right now this thing that we call life I believe is a faith test And God is looking for your reaction in every area of it. Psalm 91, verse 1 to 16. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Oh, do you know what? That gets me every time. <laughs> he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid by the terror of the night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor by the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the dis- destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fail, fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and I will show him my salvation. Is that not an amazing piece of scripture? God's covering and protection is all over. It's all over your life. It walks with you daily. He is there from beginning to end, from the moment you close your eyes till you open them again and right throughout the day. He is there with you. I am um, I, um, very aware that 
God, you know, sometimes we have to, well, all of the time, we have to show God how trustworthy we are in terms of things like when he asks you to do something, you know in your conscience when you're aware of something that you need to do. And uh, I was up in the co-op in Kings Wells. So that's a change of direction. But I was up in the co-op in Kings Wells and uh, I walked into the shop and I was aware of two little boys about the age of 10. And they were standing at the magazine aisle and they were looking at the top shelf. And I remembered, uh, yeah, you all know what's on the top shelf. But I remembered standing there and I remembered thinking, okay, I have a decision. Here I have a choice. I'm looking at these two boys and I'm watching their hearts be corrupted. And I walked over to these two boys and I stood in front of them and I turned every magazine round in that top shelf. <laughs> and I walked away. Can I just tell you, you are within your right if there's anything offensive on a magazine shelf that you can turn it around and that is okay. So that's what I did. But there are times, there are times like that when we have to make a step. We have to make a stand for what is right. We have to make that stand to say, do you know what? The hearts of these little children are our next generation of people. This is our city and we have to take that stand and be bold enough, be bold enough to make that step. These poor little boys' faces weren't very, very red. They shot off and uh, they were a bit embarrassed, but never mind. So um, the last bit of this prayer says, so God granted him what he requested. So this is the prayer that changed Jabez's life. It's a powerful prayer. And even in this prayer, the historian that's writing it stops to tell you, this is the prayer that changed Jabez's life. Why does he stop to tell you that? He stops to tell you that because it's a prayer that can change yours too. And um, I really believe that for us as a people, as individuals, God wants us to get our shout back. God wants us to get that, that uh, energy back, that courage back, that braveness back, that boldness back to stand and say, do you know what, God? I want more. I want more of you in my life. I want you to enlarge my territory. I want you to bless my family. I want you to do whatever you have to do in my life. But I want you to do it. And so another bit that it says in this is that he was more honorable than all of his brothers. And I love this bit because it makes you ask the question, why? It makes you wonder, does God have favorites? Have you ever looked at somebody's life and thought, why does it always go right for them when it never goes right for me? Have you? You have. You probably have. Or why is it that that person can do that and I can't do that? Or why is it that actually, you know, they always get this, but I never do? The truth is that everything is available to you. But the difference is, the difference is that their prayer life is the difference. Their difference, they are favored in that moment because of their prayer life. God favors those who ask and who are desperate for more. So if you sit and you wonder why are these things not happening for my life, try just asking. Try just saying to God, you know what God, bless me. Bless me. Give me room to minister. Give me room to do these things. Bless me. Why don't we all stand up? 
Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.